Open your Bibles to Colossians 3. We'll be studying that for today. Uh, and we're going to be focusing on that very familiar passage, that very familiar phrase, to set your mind on things above. And I was just um, very moved uh, and, and blessed by, by the worship we just did. I mean, if, if that doesn't get you focused on what's coming and who's there and, and the love that he's given to us, um, I don't know what will. So <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoy it. So thank you to the, to the band for the ministry and, and leading us in worship through song. Um, so we're going to be in Colossians 3, verses 1. And as I was preparing for this, uh, just in, I guess, my thoughts, uh, I was reminded of uh, these business seminars and motivational talks. Now, I'm not one for motivational talks. I feel like anytime I go somewhere and people want me to feel things, I automatically don't want to feel what they want me to feel. So I usually just go away. But so many of these speakers will say that if you want to be successful, you have to know your why. Like why is it what you do? Or why do you do what you do? What do you, why is it that you want to have so many goals or accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish? And I, when I hear that, I say to myself, okay, this guy's asking me why. So let me ask a question. Why am I listening to him? And I proceed to close the window on my computer and then get to work because uh, it's usually uh, typically a distraction. <laughs> um, but it is a helpful question if you think about it. You know, it helps you focus. Why are you doing what you do? It, help, it, it brings a focus. It answers, uh, the answer helps you go back to the whole point of what, what you're doing. It's, uh, it gives you the right orientation to, to get closer to your goals. So I want to take that question, right, that, the why question, and put it to that phrase that we're so familiar in Colossians 3. Why set your mind on things above? Why have a heavenly perspective? Why have that eternal, uh, eternal mindset? And I think, I think that's an important question to answer. Uh, and what I fear is that Christians, and, and myself included, that we get so focused on, on things of this world. We get so focused on the day-to-day activities, so focused on, um, on being comfortable here in this world that we shift our eyes away from God. We shift our eyes away from Christ, take our eyes off heaven, and we care more about the things of the earth. And it could happen to all of us. It could be a, a variety of different circumstances. You could be, be extremely be- blessed here on this, on this world, be blessed in your marriage, be blessed financially, um, housing and health. You can be blessed with all that, and that you make the focus of your life rather than reverting it to the giver of those gifts. It could be trials. We can focus so much on the pain in a trial that, that rather than looking at the trial as uh, who is this supposed to point me to, we just stop and keep our eyes down rather than looking up to help. And we could do this with complacency. Complacency, oh man, we get so comfortable with our, uh, with our daily routine, so comfortable with, uh, with just our comfort, um, that we don't read our Bibles. There'll go days that we haven't prayed, and, and, and we become fine with that. It's complacency. It takes our eyes off, off, off the things above. So whatever your situation you're in, I could come up to you in that situation and say, hey, set your mind on things above. And 
What I think happens then, if there's not that Y connected, you don't have that Y connected there, what I think happens is that that phrase just falls into the Christian lexicon and it does not affect the heart at all. It says, okay, thank you, brother, for your encouragement. I'm going to go back and continue being complacent, continue focusing on, on this earth. So we need, to answer the, we need to know the question why. We need to be able to answer the, the question why. Why set our minds on things above? And why keep it there? And the answer, what we're going to see in our text, it is because of who you are in Christ. That's why, that's why we set our minds on things above. It is the reality of your identity as a believer that outweighs any momentary situation you find yourself in. The reality of your identity as a believer outweighs any momentary situation you might find yourself in. And yet we have to remember, as Christians, we are not our own. We have been united with the Savior. And that's really the key here. We are united with Christ. When Christ died on the cross, you died to this world. When Christ was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead in newness of life. When Christ returns glorified, you will return glorified with him. What Christ does, his accomplishments, is given to us. Not because of what we've done, not because of like, we deserve it, but, but because of God's grace. You are, you are and will always be, as a believer, graciously joined with Christ. Our home, our comfort, our joy, it, it can't be found here. It can't be found in this world. It is only found in Him, and that's why we look up. That's why we set our minds on things above. Because we are united with Christ. And that is what our passage teaches us today. Our passage shows us that we can set our minds on things above because we are united with Him who is above. And we're going to see that over and over and over. We can set our mind on things above because we are united with Him who is above. And we're going to flesh this out by looking at three specific aspects of our union with Christ. We're going to look at um, that, the fact that we are risen with Christ. We're going to look at the fact that we have died with Christ and that we will be glorified with Christ. We are risen with Christ, we have died with Christ, and we will be glorified with Christ. And my hope, my prayer, is that for every truth we look at, every aspect of grace that we're going to dive into, that that dissipates the delusions and the distractions offered by this world. That it reminds you of, of the reality of who you are and what we have in Christ. So we're in Colossians 3, verse 1. We're going to read through, through verse 4. So if you have your Bibles open, please read with me. Chapter, uh, Colossians 3, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Let us pray. Father, we need your help. As we look over these familiar verses, as we Ask ourselves why. Why do we need to have a heavenly mindset? Lord, I pray that you would 
speak to, to all of our hearts, that we would uh, walk out here with, with renewed purpose, with uh, restored vision for the heavenly things. And we would be seeking after you all the more. Lord, I pray that you be glorified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we find ourselves in this, in this incredible book of Colossians. Uh, and if I, if I was to summarize Colossians, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, what it's like, let's say, give the main thrust of Colossians, it is the sufficiency of Christ. That's what Colossians is about. And I think chapter 2, verse 8, flip there with me if you want. Chapter 2, verse 8, I'm sorry, verse uh, 10, sums it up well. Paul is talking to these Colossians, and he tells them, in him you have been made complete. You're not lacking in anything. In him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. Paul is telling the Colossians in this whole book that what you have in Christ is everything you need. Salvation is complete in Christ. Anything else needed for this life, you have in Christ. You don't need anything else. And the reason why he's bringing this up, I mean, it is to encourage them, but in, in, in the Colossae, there are these false teachers going about the church, teaching uh, or denying Christ's deity. These false teachers are denying Christ's deity, denying his humanity, and they are diminishing his power to save because what these false teachers are telling the Colossians church is that you need to do more than just trust Christ. You need to do more than just have Christ. You need to do these rules, these ceremonies. Um, you got to follow these laws in order for you to get salvation. What these false teachers were teaching and what the church started to, and you read through Colossians, it does seem like the church is starting to head that way. What they started to accept is a worldly way of living for believers. Worldly way of living for believers. And I hope you catch the uh, contradiction there. Paul reminds them of who they are. Look, look at uh, uh, chapter 2 again. Chapter 2, verse 9. And I'm just going to read through this, uh, through verse 13 here. And I want you to pay attention. How many times does Paul say, with him or in him, with Christ or in Christ? He's, this is, Paul's trying to get them to, to, to see something here, to remind them of who they are. So verse 9, chapter 2, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete. He is a head over all rule authority, and in him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried, look at that, with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions, uh, transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together, and again, with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. You look at that short passage. There's nothing Christ will not do for you. There's nothing that Christ can't satisfy. He gives us our salvation. He gives us the ability, ability to live holy lives. It is only in Christ. And, and Paul tells them that this Christ, they are united with him. Believers are united with Christ. And he reminds them of the gospel that because you're united with Christ, you have a new life. And living like the world, living like the world is incompatible 
for anyone who is joined together with Christ. You can't do it. Live like the world and being in Christ are diametrically opposed. That's what Paul reminds him of. And we need that reminder too. We need that reality of the gospel. I think we forget quickly about that, that aspect of the gospel. And we understand that we have forgiveness of sins. Um, but uh, the other avenue of grace here is that Christ's accomplishments, his, his resurrection, his death, his glorific- uh, glorification, are something we share with him as his followers. And all, and all of it gets passed on to us. All of what he does gets passed on to us, not because we deserve it, but only by the grace of God. We need that reminder. And so Paul tells the Colossians and, and tells us this amazing truth to give us a reality check. We need that change in perspective because we so quickly fall back into the world. We need this to get us refocused. It's our, it's our compass. When you look at the gospel, when you look at the fact that you're joined with Christ, it's our compass. It points us back to him. So that's what we're going to see today, that, we're going to, that we can set our minds on things above because of this very fact that we are united with Christ. And Paul begins in our passage, um, chapter 3, verse 1 here, by looking at our union with Christ in his resurrection. So verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he starts off with a statement, with a, we say, a conditional statement, as an if statement. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. Uh, I don't think he's saying there, I, he's not saying I doubt that you're saved. I, I don't think, because if you look at the rest of the, of the, of the, of the uh, book here, it's very clear he believes that they're true believers. But with the if there, I think he's, he's preparing them. Listen, what I'm about to say, this is what Paul's saying, what I'm about to say to you only makes sense if something already has happened to you. You don't choose to do this. It's not like a click, light clicks on. Something has to already have happened to you. And that something is that you have been joined together with Christ in his resurrection. You have been raised up with Christ. I just want to meditate on that for, for a moment. Being raised up with Christ uh, is grounded in a historical event, something that actually happened. And if Christ has been raised up, right, that historical event happened, if Christ has been raised up, then guess what? You are raised up with him. The moment you or anyone else becomes a believer, a miracle happens there. And that miracle Happen, uh, and that miracle is a resurrection from the dead. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And you are no longer dead in sins. If you trust in Christ, you are no longer dead in your sins, but now alive in God. You are given a new life as a believer. So this is what Paul starts off. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if these things are true, and it goes on to give an action, he says, keep seeking the things above. Keep seeking the things above. Now, the, the verb there is, is, a, is something that is constantly happening. And it is a, a verb of, of devote um, or devoted effort, something that you take seriously I will, and something that you do day after day after day. So I was kind of thinking about that and I thought about, I don't know why I thought about this, but these guys with metal detectors at the beach, you know, you see them going around and they're, they have their earphones sometimes, and they're, they're trying to find, I don't know what they're trying to find. Um, I guess change. <laughs> I don't know whether you expect. Um, but, but they're going out there, and they go out, 
you know, and they're out for hours. Uh, I was curious, and I, I found out like there's this little community of metal detector people. That's, that's what I call them. And, um, and one guy said, yeah, I spent seven hours looking for, for treasure, looking for something. And he found something. Uh, apparently, they do find things like rings and, and personal belongings and stuff like that. But seven hours of searching with that little metal detector, you know, going and beeping and doing whatever it does. I don't know. But that is a serious devotion, right, to seeking out some treasure, seeking out something in the sand. And we, are, we need to have a devotion like that, but not, not for things in the sand, right, not for little trinkets and whatever it is they find, but we look beyond the sand, we look to things above. We need to have that devotion where we're day after day, hour after hour, we're constantly seeking for something above, constantly thinking for, seeking for the things above. Now, what are these things above, right? He says, um, seeking the things above, what is that? And maybe you could just stop there and think, well, maybe that's just heaven. No, heaven. I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking the things above. I'm looking forward to when I could rest, looking forward to when I have some time. I could learn how to play the bagpipes. Um, <laughs> if you're my wife, she would say, even in light of eternity, that sounds like a waste of time. <laughs> so, no, no offense to those who love the belling and screeching sounds of bagpipes, but, but they, you, you stop there and, think, and, and look at the things above, and that kind of, you know, think of heaven. But Paul is very specific here. Look what he says next. Seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So the things above... First of all, they're not about you. They're not about the peace that you're, or the, well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to discount that. That's, that's certainly something we can look forward to. But what we're seeking is centered around Christ. The things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. These things above are centered around Christ. It is his kingdom, and his kingdom is focused on the Savior. It focuses on things of Christ, things like, like his righteousness, his holiness. And not only that, look at Paul gives us a little bit more information. Where Christ is, and tells us in addition to that, he is seated at the right hand of God. Paul reminds us that where Christ is, he's in a place of power. He is over all the angels, authorities, over all the powers. All those things are subjected to him. So why look anywhere else? Why keep your head down on the earth when, when Christ, who is above all things in heaven, is reigning supremely. Jesus is why we look to the things above. If we are united with Christ, if you're a believer here, you are united with Christ, and if you have been raised with him with new life, we ought to seek the things of his kingdom. We ought to live as those who are united to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our life has to show that. Now this gets practical really fast. Um, for example, if we are seeking the things above, we don't have to worry about our food. We don't have to worry about our clothing. Um, we still have to go to work, and we still have to buy the store. We're not, we don't just walk out and, and, and hope God made Instacart you know, bring us some food. We still have to go seek it, we'll go get it. But Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and what? All these things will be added unto you. God, God knows what you need, 
And God will provide everything you need until that day he calls you home. And in the meantime, we are to keep seeking the things above. We are to live righteously, to spread the gospel. We talked about that in Family Bible Hour today, uh, being intentional with our neighbors. And we are to do works that have eternal significance. Uh, going to Colossians, Paul fleshes out, well, we don't have time to really look at this, but there's a list there. If you go to verse 12, uh, let's say through, verse 12 through 14, there is a list there that uh, Paul explains what our characteristics should look like as those who have that newness of life in Christ, as those who have, uh, who have been made a new creation in Christ. And you look at that list, you start to ask, well, do I do those things? Do you have uh, compassion to those in need? Because that would be a characteristic of someone who's joined with Christ, someone who has been raised with Christ. Are you quick to forgive? Are you patient with your spouse? Are you gentle with your kids? These are characteristics of someone who is joined with Christ, someone who has been raised up with Christ. It's not just this this idea that stays in the theology textbooks. It, inf- it Im- impacts your everyday life. So we are to seek the things above because we are united with him who is above. We are united in his resurrection, but also, Paul will go on and say we are united in his death. And that's what we're going to look at too, that you, being united in his death has implications for how you're going to live now. So let's look at uh, verses 2 to 3. We saw that uh, we are united in his Resurrection, and now we are united in his death. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, this is kind of a similar exhortation to verse 1, right? Verse 1, seek the things above. Verse 2, set your mind on things above. Uh, And and that verb is to give careful consideration, is to be intentional. Uh, We, whatever you set your mind on, determines the actions that you're going to do. Um, it determines your affections. It determines your attitude. Right? What you set your mind on will, will determine all that stuff. And uh, I think of the Olympic athletes. Those Olympic athletes have their minds set on a prize. Right? They want to get that gold medal. And so it doesn't start by that day, right? the day of the race. Like, oh, I wake up. I better go get my gold medal. Everything they've been eating has been orchestrated so that they get the best performance on that day. All their sleep schedules, um, what they've been doing in their personal lives, everything is building up so that on that day, they, they, they race uh, or compete and they win that prize. Our minds should be set up, set on winning the prize. But this is the prize of the upward call of Christ, upward call of God. We set our minds on things above means that we're going to be intellectually purposeful intentional with our day. We're going to set our interest to be the same as Christ's interest. Set your mind on things above. We're going to be serving the kingdom of God, not promoting the kingdom of self. And we need to be purposeful like these athletes. We need to look at what we're doing in our week. Say, is this setting our mind on things above? So a really quick check here. And then the last week, can I do a quick... um, Quick uh, analysis here of of your week. In the last week, what were you most intentional about? 
what did you make sure you set aside time for? And what was non-negotiable for you? You know, I think if you analyze your week, it starts to pop up what you're setting your mind on. And activities like reading your Bible, spending time with family, evangelizing, encouraging a brother in Christ, all those things are setting your minds on Christ. Are, are we that intentional with that? Because there's something else there that tries to rob us of those moments. And that is the things uh, uh, on the earth. And Paul sets up a contrast. Look at verse, verse 2 again. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The things on the earth, again, are, are, are opposed to the things above. Now, don't take this out of context. It doesn't mean you don't have to pay your bill and say, those are things of the earth. Doesn't mean when your um, doesn't mean when your wife asks you to take out the trash, you say, "Sorry, hon, things of the earth. I don't touch that." It, it doesn't work the other way. No, the context here. Paul's refuting these these false teachers, right? We have false teachers in Colossians in, in, uh, within this Colossian church, and they the false teachers want the Colossians to worship in a worldly way. They want them to live legalist, legalistically, and Paul is saying that those things are the opposite of the things above. I like how one, one commentator put it. Uh, he said, if the things are above are where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father, or of, seated at the right hand of God, then the things on the earth are practices that refuse to acknowledge Christ as sovereign Lord of all. The things on the earth are practices that refuse to acknowledge Christ as sovereign Lord of all. Kind of puts a little bit more serious bent on that, right? Here's another shocking reminder. Mark 8. Mark 8. Jesus, we, don't, we, don't, we won't turn there. Jesus is speaking about his crucifixion, about the, the, um, his coming death, very clearly, and Peter takes him aside and rebukes him. Far be it from you, Lord, that what you just said is not going to happen. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan, right? But it doesn't stop there. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. Now, that was shocking to me. Do you realize that we fall into the schemes of the enemy when we look to the things on earth? It's that serious. And this is what makes living on earth so difficult. How often do we want to elevate those things, elevate the things on the earth above the, uh, uh, above the things above? We put man's interests above God's. We do that when we care more about our own interests. We do that when we complain. When we complain about not getting what we want rather than resting in the goodness and sovereignty of our Lord. Why set our mind on things above, not things of the earth? Why do we do that? Well, Paul gives us a reason. Look at the next verse. We're in verse 3, back in Colossians 3. The next verse, four, uh, so let me start with verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So Paul gives us two reasons here. The first is, you have died. And I, you know, I just love the Christian faith. It begins where most stories end, right? Usually death 
end of the story, you know, look at Shakespeare, other literature things I'm not familiar with. Okay. <laughs> it begins with, usually it begins with death, but our lives, or sorry, ends with death, our life begins with death. When you became a believer, that's when you died. It happened. And the tense here in the, in the, in the Greek for, for you have died is a completed action. It's over. It's already happened. You're a believer. You have died. You are died because you are united with Christ in his death as a believer. Just as he died on the cross, so you died to the world. And I love, I love how Paul puts in Romans 6. Okay, um, we won't turn there, but I'll just read it. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now listen to this. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, there's that union, our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Do you understand the power of that union with Christ? That being that being united with Christ in his death on the cross means that you're freed from the tyranny of sin. So it doesn't make sense for believers to want to live like the world. We already died to it. We've been freed from it. Why would we want to go back to the tyranny of sin when we've been freed from that? Now again, Paul makes this super practical. Look at verse 5 in, in Colossians 3 in our chapter. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Why? Because you die with Christ. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Skip down to verse 8. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. You know what the reality of being united with Christ practically means for your life. It means that you're not, well, let me say, it means that you're going to watch your temper, not because you want to be a nice guy, but because you are united with Christ. It means you're going to stop watching things that glorify sin. Not because it's just bad for you, but because you're united with Christ. You just look at that list we just read. How easy is it for us to take off our mind off the things above and focus on the things of earth? Go back to the reality. Go back to the reality of who you're united with. You are united with Christ, therefore you set your mind on things above. We can set our mind on things above because we are united with him who is above. So we set our mind on things above because we are, uh, because we died. And he gives another reason, verse 3, because your life is hidden with Christ in God. This is the second reason he gives in verse 3. Now, now this blows my mind. Look at that again. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. We enjoy fellowship with the triune God because we are united with Christ. Um, 2 Peter 1.4. You know, write that down. Take a look at it later. It says that we became, uh, we became partakers of the divine nature. Now, that doesn't mean that we've 
gone, we became little gods or got some kind of deity. That's not what Peter's saying there in, in um, 2 Peter 1.4. What he's saying is that we possess eternal life, that we have become children of God, and that we enjoy the blessings of all his magnificent promises. This is what we get because our life is hidden with Christ, and Christ is in God. But there's also another aspect to this. Uh, going back to that life is hidden, it, it, it's, it, we say it's hidden in the sense that it's not made visible. Right? If you hide something, hide and go seek with kids, you're hiding yourself so that they can't see you. And so those false teachers in Colossians, they're approaching these believers not being able to see that the, these believers already have gained eternal life. They already have life. And it, was, and it was invisible to them, to these, to these uh, false teachers. And so our life, which is hidden in Christ, is invisible to the world. Nobody can see that, that we have died. Nobody can see that we've been raised with Christ just by looking at us. It's hidden. And if it's hidden in Christ, we can also say that it's secured in Christ. Nothing can take that away. So if you have died with Christ, if your life is hidden with Christ, then your life must look different than the world. In fact, the world, with all its empty promises, with all its distractions, should seem small compared to the fellowship we have with the creator of the world. So why focus on the things on earth? Instead, we are to set our mind on things above. We are to be united with him, united in his re resurrection, united in his death. And lastly, Paul ends with such an encouraging note here united in his glorification, united in glory. Let's look at verse 4 there. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, I want to focus on a little phrase here. I don't want to go too fast of it. When Christ, who is your life. I think sometimes we, we, we think of Christ as Christ, the giver of life, and he does give us life. But he, he gives us life in the sense that he gives us himself. He doesn't give us life, and then all of a sudden it's our life, and we can do whatever we want with it. We can live to, the to our own pleasures. No, he gives us himself. We live to obey him. We live to serve him. We live to glorify him. And we find joy, we can find joy in that that doesn't compare to any joy that could be found in the world. What does John, uh, John Piper say? That, that God is most... Um, glorified, yeah. God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Christ is our life, which means this life is not our own. Right? Think about Galatians 2.20. Uh, many of you are familiar with that. I have been crucified with Christ. Right, With Christ, that union is there again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It's not you guys who live. You are not living your own life. Who lives in you? Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ is our life. And this makes verse 4 all the more glorious. Our life is hidden with Christ, and in verse 4, we're told it's going to be revealed. What was invisible is going to be made visible, and the glory of Christ will become visible to the world. All eyes will see. Now think about his first coming really quick. His first coming, there's a moment where he is before the high priest. This is, his, uh, he's been arrested already from Gethsemane. He's before the high priest. And the high priest says, tell us if you are the Christ. 
Tell us if you are the Son of God. And Jesus, he's been staying silent, but then he speaks up. You have said it yourself, Jesus says. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He says that to the, to the high priest. Now we know the, story, the rest of that. Jesus goes on to be crucified. The world moves on. The world says that this Jesus was a great teacher. But the story doesn't end this way. It can't end this way. Our Savior must be glorified. Our King must be exalted. Ever since his first coming, we've been waiting for his return. And this is what we see in verse 4. This is what, uh, what Paul is referring to. It is the glorious return of Christ. Our life, our hope, our king. The person that you have sacrificed and give up everything for is returning and, and is returning in glory and every eye will see him. It's going to be a marvelous moment. Just that by itself. Just seeing Christ exalted. But by the grace of God, <laughs> this, by the grace of God, we will be with him in that return. Look at, the, look at the last part of verse 4. Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. We are united with him in death. We are united with him in the resurrection. And we will be united with him in glory. We will be revealed in, uh, in glory just as Christ is revealed in glory. And I wish I had time to look at Revelation 19. I encourage you guys to, to look at that uh, at some point in the future and, and relate it to this verse. But in Revelation 19, Christ is exalted but there is, he's not the only one who's returning. In Revelation 19, it says there is a, a cloud, an army with him, dressed in white. Who is that army? Well, if you go back to Revelation 19, you see that army is us. For by the grace of God, because he loves us, he includes us and, and joins us with Christ in that day. Now, you might be thinking, well, this happens in the future. What does that mean for me now? What that means for you now is that it brings hope. That's what it does. It brings hope. It reminds us that we should not be so focused on this earth, but our minds should be set on things above. Our eyes should be looking up to the heavens, expecting Christ to return. But even beyond that, we get even more specific in how this brings hope. It gives us better perspective to our suffering. One of my favorite verses, Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18. For some reason, it, I memorized it in high school, and, it, and it's just one of those verses that, that keep bouncing around in my head. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Think about that. The sufferings, not worthy to be compared I sometimes wish I could get a glimpse of that day when Christ returns. Or I could just get a moment with him, seeing him in glory. And I think I'll be blown away, <laughs> to put it lightly. But I also think that any suffering I would deal with after that, I would gladly endure knowing what's coming in the future. Christ is going to return and everything you guys have been going through is going to seem like nothing. <sighs> Yet there's another way that we have hope here. It brings certainty 
to our salvation. And you guys know this verse, Romans 8, 29 through 30. Uh, we are called, we're predestined, we are called, we are justified, and then we are glorified. It says in the past tense, like it already happened. This is going to happen. If you have died with Christ, then there's no doubt that God will finish the work. You will be glorified along with Christ. That's your union with him. Man, we, so we have died with him. We have been raised from the dead and we will be glorified with him. If this is who we are, if we are united with Christ, why would then we indulge in the things of the world? Why would we live for, the, for ourselves? Why would we seek out the temporary joys of this world when Christ is our life? Our union with Christ ought to change our perspective. It should keep us focused on the things above. It should, it should spur us on to live righteously. It should give us hope for his return. Now Paul started out in verse 1 with a condition, if you have been raised with Christ. So I ask everyone here today, have you been raised with Christ? Now I think there's a little bit of confusion. I think there's a confusion that knowing about the Christian life is the same as living the Christian life. Got to be careful about that. It's not just knowing here. It's not just coming to, to CBC. It's not even just reading your Bible. Something has to be done for you. God had to raise you up with Christ. And if you haven't repented from your sin, if you haven't surrendered your life to him, if you can't say with Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, if you can't say that or aren't sure, then please seek the Lord today. Seek him when he could still be found. Talk to me. Talk to our pastor. Talk to any Christian here. Be raised up with Christ today. And if you have been raised up with Christ, then let that grace of just being united with Christ, that amazing grace that we are not deserving of, motivate you to live holy lives. Please do not grow complacent in this life. You have life in Christ. You are united with him. Don't continue in your sin. You have died to that. You died in Christ with that. You've been resurrected with new life. Enjoy the life you have in him. Go to the word. Read it. Not because it's something you should do. Not because to check off a list, but to draw you closer to him. So we are to seek the things above because we are united with him who is above. I want to close our time by looking at Philippians. Turn with, to Philippians, just a couple, bo- uh, couple of books back. Philippians 3. And I want to look at this little passage here, verses 17 through 21. And I want you to see the hope we have in Christ and why we should be focused on the things above. And after I read, I'll, I'll close in prayer. Brethren, join me. This is verse 17, chapter 3 of Philippians. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I told you and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. What a contrast. Where's our glory? Our glory is in Christ. 
their glory, those who seek the things, uh, who set their minds on earthly things, are in their shame and judgment. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble states into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Father, we are just so humbled by the love you show us in joining us to Christ. Yes, we have salvation in him. Lord, but you didn't save us and leave us. You joined us to your Son. And Father, I pray that we would go on to live in a way that is consistent with that. That we will keep seeking the things above. We will keep seeking things of your kingdom. That the things of earth will fade away. And that we will live for your glory. Praise Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand with us as we worship the Lord through song one more time. Be mm-hmm.